Welcome to the podcast where we talk to guests about five moments in their lives they'll never forget. This is Backstory with Steve Legg. It's fabulous to have you with me today on the new show, where I bring together an incredible array of stars of stage and screen, stand-up comedians and magicians, writers and artists, leaders and entrepreneurs, to chat about the five significant times in their lives they'll never forget. It's great to have you here. And on today's show, I've got a great pal. It's Ariana Walker, a speaker, author and the CEO of Mercy Ministries UK, a Christian charity that works in partnership with churches across the UK to provide residential care for young women who are dealing with life controlling issues. It's an incredible organisation led by a truly inspirational leader. My good friend, Ariana Walker. Yay! Hello, Ariana. Well, I mean it. You are amazing and so love Mercy Ministries and the stuff you do. I remember I hosted a compared a, an event at a nice swanky hotel in London a few years ago, and it was so moving. It was so emotional. The staff had to get me a box of tissues. Uh, <laughs> I was crying like a baby. It was it was absolutely incredible. So I, I am prepared today. I'm sitting here with a pack of Kleenex just in case I need it. Just tell us briefly about Mercy Ministries before we go on to your memories. Well, uh, as you said, at Mercy, we run a residential home for young women with what we call life-controlling issues, eating disorders, self-harming, depression, the effects of abuse. Um, we also have a course that we've developed over the last few years called Keys to Freedom, which is now being rolled out across churches. It's a, it's a workbook that people can do at home uh, by themselves and work through some of the, 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 the principles of freedom just from their own bedroom or lounge. Uh, so lots of churches uh, using that and individuals using that. So it's exciting time for us. Yeah. Oh, I can, yeah. I can imagine. So how's lockdown affected everything? Have you been a bubble there together or have people had to go home? Well, the, the last we were closed for seven months, actually, the home, because we sent them home over Easter last year so we could get the kitchen done, thinking they'd be gone for about a month or so. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, that was it. But it gave us time to actually do so much work in the house that needed doing. Uh, we stripped all the bedrooms and made everything COVID secure. That's a nice new word we have. Yes. COVID secure with lots of PPE um, and uh, all such things. And then we brought the residents back in November uh, because we were able to say that we were COVID secure. So they are now a household and the staff are considered key workers. Uh, and yes, we've been running ever since. Uh, November. We've got an online program now. That's what we did whilst the residents were home. We put the whole program online, so that's really developed our services now because uh, we're going to keep that online element so we can help more people um, that we can normally do in the home. We now can help people just online as well. So Brilliant. Yeah. And have you done many online meetings in your PJs? Oh, every, I'm doing one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very honoured. <laughs> yeah, I've got my pyjama bottoms on. It's lovely. Um <laughs> And 
And of course, you are very well known for your recommendations of box sets. You recommended Scandal to us many years ago when we were at an event together based in the White House. And it's it's funny. Truth is stranger than fiction, isn't it? Um, There's some very interesting things there. Um, Ariana, so thank you for coming on the podcast. We speak to a huge different uh, variety of guests on their memories and uh, I know you're going to have some great ones so let's kick off we teed a few of these up tell us about running out of petrol oh my gosh it's so embarrassing for a start I didn't know that that was wrong with my car I was at home it's not like I was stranded in the middle of nowhere I was just at home getting ready to go to work got in my car no nothing no engine nothing I'm like oh great so call the RAC he spent 15 minutes trying to figure out what's wrong with the car, everything. And then he's like, he looks at me, he's like, Mrs. Walker, do you, do you have petrol in it? I'm like, um, well, it was really low yesterday, but I had left enough to get to the petrol station. He's like, no, it, it was parked on the hill because of our drive. He said, no, no, it's basically that there's so little petrol in it. It's gone to the end and it won't, it won't even turn over you've got no petrol so literally rather than I thought well he'll just go and get me some petrol no 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 what he did was he literally loaded my car up onto the back of the RAC truck and I get in the front of the truck with him drive all the way around to the petrol station and load my car off in front of everybody oh my and God. I know and then fill my car up so it wasn't the nice private embarrassing moment of running out of petrol on your drive <laughs> but you know, i'm going to take your car all the way to the uh, yeah anyway yeah it was embarrassing very embarrassing you can see everybody just looking at me like okay <laughs> love it this is the backstory podcast with steve leg and friends it does remind me when I, I went to our local refuse dump and uh, I lost my car keys there and I had all these guys looking everywhere for my blooming keys. The whole staff came out looking everywhere, high and low. And then I suddenly realised I had them in my hand. Oh, no. I know, and I couldn't say anything. They were all scrabbling. <laughs> so I dropped them and kicked them under the car. I found them, fellas. <laughs> Thanks ever so much. You feel, <laughs> you feel so foolish, don't you? Um so I send out a list to guests with some little suggestions and you have gone through it with a fine tooth comb. Um, one of them is getting a tattoo. I didn't think you would have a tattoo. Well, I don't know. You are badass, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> tell yeah. us about getting a tattoo, the significance and what it is. Right. So I've got a tattoo uh, and it's just of some stars. You know, one represents God and three represent my husband and my two boys. It was for my 30th birthday. My husband's never been keen on tattoos. He didn't like them. I managed to, uh, back then, this is 18 years ago now, there was this new idea, this new thing that came out that everybody was talking about, that you could have something called a, a temporary, a semi, not a temporary tattoo, that those are the ones that stick on, but like a, a semi-permanent tattoo. So the idea was that the needle didn't go all the way through all three layers of your skin and therefore would kind of come fade after two to three years. So I presented this to my husband as a, a means of some compromise. <laughs> it's, it's two to three years. By the time I'm 35, it'll be gone. You know, and then I've got the experience of having had a tattoo and you don't have to live with it for so long. Uh, so he was like reluctantly agreed. And I went off to have this tattoo done, fully believing that this was the case. It's semi-permanent. She talked me through it. She showed me the science of it. And, you know, 
anyway, about five, six years later, it hadn't faded one little bit. And it was actually one of the residents at Mercy whose family were all tattoo artists. She was covered in tattoos and we were talking about tattoos. And I said, oh, well, funny story. I've got one of these semi-permanent tattoos. And she looked at me. She's like, what do you mean semi-permanent? I'm like, you know, ones that last two to three years because they have the needle hasn't gone all the way, halfway through the sentence. And she started <laughs> laughing. I'm like, what? She's like, you know, that isn't actually a real thing, right? I'm like, no, that's what I was told. That's like, I, I researched it on the internet. She went, did they use a needle? I'm like, yeah. Did they use ink? <laughs> yes. But it's permanent. I'm like, no, really? I have to go home to my husband and go, you know that semi-permanent tattoo that's supposed to run out after two to three years? Yeah, well, now I'm 48 now, so that's 18 years ago, and I can assure you it's still very, very much there. <laughs> <laughs> so you, are, you aren't, you aren't uh, inclined to uh, to get some more? Uh, actually, I probably, I would be quite interested, but I'm kind of at the age now where I don't have that long left before my skin's going to go really wrinkly. I'll be a uh, spring chicken. Yeah. I, won't get the, I won't get the wear out of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is Lieutenant Colombo, and you're listening to Steve Legg's Backstory Podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough today. I'll let you go ahead and listen. Oh, one more thing. Enjoy the show. And it's another great one. We've got my friend Ariana Walker, the big cheese at Mercy Ministries, who see miracles uh, many, many times and have done o- over the years. Tell us about a miracle story. Well, I've got a, a ton of miracle stories, but lots of them aren't mine. So I'll tell you my miracle story. Uh, but it, it kind of starts with a ski trip. Uh, like all good miracle stories. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> I've been skiing for years and years and years, so and I take great pride in never touching the snow. Uh, the snow is there for to get from A to B. You know, it's cold and wet. I try, I try really hard not to fall in it. Uh, two years ago, I uh, failed miserably at not falling and fell horribly and felt something pop. And I just thought, well, I, but I, miraculously it wasn't too painful. So I thought, I'll be okay. So I, I, I got up on my skis. Everyone's coming. Are you okay? Are you okay? My family are there. You know, random strangers. Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Leave me alone. This is embarrassing enough as it is. I'm fine. I can do this. Don't worry. So I'm standing back up on my skis. I, I'm kind of putting some weight on my leg and it's fine. I'm thinking, right, I can do this. I, I don't need any help. I'm not weak. I'm a strong, independent woman. <laughs> With tattoos. <laughs> so I carry on. And on the first turn I do, I realize that it doesn't matter how strong and independent I am, uh, I have really hurt my knee. And I keel over again. I sit in the snow and I realize I need help. And uh, so they go off, they get the rescuer. And I had to have that hideous experience of being put on a stretcher at the top of the mountain and being stretchered down the mountain head first uh, and uh, taken to the clinic where they tell me that my ACL has completely ruptured. I no longer have an ACL, which is a ligament behind your knee, which you need actually for your knee to be stable. Um, So that was awful. Interesting little kind of God moment on that slope as I was heading Face, or head down 
on the stretcher, uh, you know, being snowed on and people look at me, looking at me with pity and all this. I, I found God just said this little thing to me, which I wasn't too happy about at the time, but he said, interesting how rescue didn't come until he said you weren't okay. Oh. <laughs> interesting, isn't it? Because I, I spent so the first five minutes saying I was fine, I'm okay, I don't need help. And then until I said I needed help, until I said I wasn't okay, uh, you know, that's when rescue came. So that's a little that's a little thing for someone listening to this right now. It's okay to not be okay and rescue doesn't come until you say I'm not okay. Um, as it is, this is a miracle story. And the miracle is that um, by the following December, when I needed to go and get reconstruction, because the only way for a, an ACL to be made whole again is for it to be surgically reconstructed. So I was getting myself ready to have this um, surgery done. And my pastor actually said to me, I'm going to pray that your ACL is entirely uh, intact when they go in. I'm like, well, that's great. You pray for that. I'm going to pray that the operation goes really well because I would like to be able to ski again. Uh, and um, as I went down into the operation, I went under general anesthetic, came round again. And the first thing I hear is my husband going, uh, they didn't need to do it. I'm like, what do you mean they didn't need to do it? They didn't need to do it. Your ACL is completely intact. It, there's nothing wrong with it. Wow. Uh, which is because I had an MRI scan and the MRI scan is like an x-ray. It was gone. There was nothing left. It was entirely ruptured. So I had a divine reconstruction of my ACL, which is, um, you know, that's a miracle. Wow. And I, I would have loved to say that I've been skiing since and proven how great it is. But, you know, We've been locked in our homes for a year, so no, I've not been able to test it out. You're listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the memories. So here I am with Ariana Walker, tattooed explorer, adventurer. <laughs> Tell us about climbing a mountain. I am slightly worried um, that you were told it was a small hill after your um, research into temporary tattoos. Um, but you, you were you were you were in the mountain range in the Andes in Peru. Tell us more about that. Yeah, well, that was that was uh, you know one of the things about leading a charity that relies entirely on the generosity of people is you tend to do quite a lot of um, strange, adventurous, crazy things. I've wing walked. I've jumped out of airplanes. Uh, and this particular one, I decided I was going to climb Machu Picchu, or, but I was going to do five days of it on horseback. So the majority of it was going to be done on horseback, six hours a day riding a horse. Um, you know, we, we presented it as this is going to be a climb for freedom, you know, representing the journey of people climbing a hill in their transformation journey, in their freedom journey. And um, for me, this was actually due to happen three months after I'd ruptured my ACL. So it was before it got healed. It was still entirely ruptured. And I just, I thought I wasn't going to be able to do Machu Picchu and ride the horses and do all the things I needed to do because I didn't have an ACL anymore. Uh, and I went to see uh, a physiotherapist and they said, if I, if I exercised and trained, I could probably still do it. And uh, I remember God saying to me, actually, you know, these residents that you ask to climb a mountain of freedom you know, they're not doing it from full health and strength. They're doing it with an injury. They're doing it with a limp. Um, so, so you can too. 
Um, and so for me, climbing the physical mountain, I needed to do it with an injury and needed to do it with, with my ACL uh, as it was. Um, and one particular day, I remember it was a really tough day. Like my knee was absolutely killing me. We'd been on the horses for three hours already, told us to get off the horses and, and climb this ridge. And he said, you know, that our guide said, you know, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. I'm like, I have to climb all of that on foot after being on a horse for three hours. I already can't feel my knee. Anyway, I almost opted out. I almost said, look, I'll sit here. I need to rest and do the rest of the day. Um, and he said, no, 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 you'll, it, trust me, it's worth it. So I climbed. I, hands and knees, literally scrambled my way up this slope. And as I got to the top and we came over the top of it, I literally, my breath was taken away by this lake. Mm. It was the most stunning, crystal clear, blue turquoise lake you ever did see with the reflection of the mountain in it. And it, it, it was stunning. And the guy said to me, he said, we call this the secret lake. He said, only the people that are prepared to push through the pain like you just did, who are prepared to get out of their comfort zone and scramble up and trust what's going to be at the top only those people who push through get to see this um and it was just such a a, a stunning moment for me and a, a lifelong memory i felt the holy spirit say to me it's like that in me it's those who some people just need to push through some stuff and the discomfort and the things they don't like and the pain knowing that it's worth it when they get there there's just areas of things in god that we don't get to see the secret places that we don't get to see unless we were willing to push through. Wow. So that was a special moment for me. Oh, it sounds like it. So have you got another challenge lined up for when things go back to normal? Um, not as yet. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I have slept in a cave. That wasn't for charity, though. That was just stupidity. <laughs> oh, well, we've got to hear about that in a minute. What about, you know, I quite fancy Everest Base Camp. Yeah, go for it. Would you like to do it for a charity? I know a really good one. Well, do you know what? I'm really, seriously kind of up for it. I, I, I climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, so Everest Base Camp, I think, is the next one, really, isn't it? So how was the altitude for you at Machu Picchu? Because that's about 8,000 feet, isn't it? Is the altitude, uh, does that it impact you? 15,000 feet was the highest slope we went on because we went the long way around. So oh, we went wow. up the path. Now, I did the Salcante Path on horseback. So 15,000 feet on a horse is pretty scary. Mm. Um, but yeah, go for it. I, I'll, I'll sponsor you. Oh, thank you. So how much do you actually need to raise each year as a, as a ministry, Mercy Ministries, for the incredible work that you do? About £1.2 million. Pounds. Wow, that's a lot of money, isn't it? So are there, it are there grants available? Because it's free to the girls, isn't it, who come? It's free to the residents. And um, we don't take any government funding at all that would dilute the message of the gospel. So, you know, we rely heavily on people's generosity who believe in our vision, who believe in the gospel, who believe that freedom comes through Christ. Uh, true freedom comes through Christ. And so we we need to stick with that message. And that means we tend to not get a lot of grants outside of Christian trust funds. Uh, so that does mean we do some you know, challenges and things. And we're, we're, we're going to be uh, doing a competition this year, giving a car away. Someone's given us a brand new four by four. We're going to uh, run a competition for someone to win that as a fundraiser. That'll be a good one. Oh, I love that. 
You're listening to the Backstory Podcast, where we remember the good times, the things you love, the things you are, the things you never want to lose. What a fab guest, Ariana Walkeris. She is the female version of Bear Grylls. <laughs> I would never know because I've met you. You're always so glamorous. Well, I do try not to drink my own pee. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Uh, but you teed up sleeping in a cave, so we're kind of running out of time a bit. Tell us about sleeping in a cave. I'll be really, I'll be really brief. It was the worst night of my life. <laughs> I am not I, I am not Bear Grylls. I hate it. I literally hate it. This was just because my husband's a bit of an adventurer, and I decided that I, I, I need – I was getting old. I need to, like, have a bit of, you know, let's go. Let's do something crazy. So sleeping in a cave in the north in the Yorkshire Dales seemed like the way to do it. It was New Year's Eve. It was flipping freezing, and and I thought it would be quite romantic with just the two of us. So I brought champagne and everything. Uh, <laughs> it, little did I know that you know you can't book a cave. It's not like exclusive use. So randomly, these four other guys turned up, two dogs, um, <laughs> and it was awful, awful. I spent the whole night waiting for light to come. <laughs> it does sound bad. <laughs> They're all laughing and joking and singing, and I'm wrapped up in as many clothes I can possibly find. Um, and I've never been so cold. I was miserable. And it was, to be fair, the most stunning sunrise I've ever seen in my life, mainly because it gave me hope that I was still alive. Uh, and that I could have daylight to walk down the mountain and get myself a decent cup of coffee. Love it. In the latest bumper edition of Sorted magazine, big name exclusive interviews, Hollywood A-listers, TV adventurer Bear Grylls, inspirational true life stories, adrenaline-fueled sports features, all this plus gadgets, entertainment, motoring, movies and technology, plus probably the greatest team of Christian writers ever assembled. Available now from high street retailers nationwide or visit sortedmag.com. Sorted for men for life. So, Ariana, it's been great chatting to you. Tell us about a typical day at Mercy Ministries. Um, well, for the home, it's, uh, it's it, they, they're in a tight ship there. Um, the schedule is tight. They're up, they're breakfast, they cook breakfast for, for every, they all get their own breakfast and then they go into uh, class time, they worship, they have Bible study together. Uh, it's lunchtime, they make lunch. So they're really learning how to cook you know, good meals together, nutrition, all that kind of thing. Um, then in the afternoon, they'll have a session, like a one-to-one session that is facilitated by one of our staff uh, where they, they dig deep and get some business done. Um, and uh, then they've got some work to do, chores, exercise, recreation time. Then it's dinner. Uh, same again, there's a team that cooks the dinner for the whole uh, household and then there's a clear up team and then in the evening they get to hang out a little bit there's a craft room there's a music room there's uh you know videos netflix etc so it's a bit relaxed time and uh they might go and you know depending on what they want to do just write some music we've got some really musical people they'll write music and yeah it's a it's a wonderful place i did five shift night shifts before christmas because we were a bit short staffed and I haven't been, I haven't done a night shift for 12 years. So it was, uh, it was eye-opening to kind of get back into it and, and uh, be amongst the residents. I absolutely loved it. So Amazing. it's a, 
very, very special place where the presence of God is just so powerful. He's the one doing all the changing uh, on the inside of these young women's hearts. Tell us about the dream for, for, for Mercy Ministries in the UK. Are we talking multiple houses? Well, we are. I think the, I think anyone who says that this lockdown hasn't changed them it needs to re-examine that statement because actually I think for, for a lot of us, we've had to adapt and change and be agile in how we see the future. So we are really excited actually about the, the concept of online program because we're very narrow in who can come to the home, 18 to 30 something. And, you know, it means the person has to give up their home. They have to, you know, they might have children that need taken care of. So to be able to expand uh, the program itself so that people who can't physically be inside a home for, for whatever reason are still able to access the program itself is a really exciting concept that we're exploring at the moment. And yes, we will have other centers, uh, but they may be more um, focused on day programs and have a smaller residential capacity. But yes, we, we want to look at ways that we can help more people with less people. So that, that's we're working dream. smarter, not harder. I think it, I think it's called, exactly. isn't it? <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's the one. Ariana, what would yeah. you say to someone who's really been suffering with mental health issues and anxiety during lockdowns? It's been very, very tough these last 12 months. Yeah, I, I would say um, the bravest thing you can do is to ask for help. Um, that is not weakness, that's strength. It takes strength to say, I'm not okay. And like I said in the little story about being taken off the mountain, rescue didn't come until I said I wasn't okay. Mm. And I think for anyone who's struggling right now, struggling with anxiety or isolation or just really questioning all the big things that you thought you had in place and you thought you were secure about, that so much is being thrown up in the air. Uh, And saying I'm not okay and reaching out to a friend, to a loved one, uh, or, or, or to an agency or, or, or call Mercy, men, women, young, old, we've got a whole team available who are there to listen, to signpost your places, to encourage you, to pray with you. So so reach out. Uh, I would encourage everyone to do that right now. Brilliant. We've talked about some of your memories. How would you like to be remembered? Living life to the full. Living full, dying empty. That's what I'd like. Brilliant. You've been listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Catch you next time.